Wow. 45. Wow. 45 years old. Mind blown. It truly seems impossible that I have been around for four and a half decades. My sons have been calling me middle-aged for quite some time, and I always reminded them that I was not, as we come from great genes who, for generations, have lived well into their late 80s and 90s. However, at 45, it's finally time to admit to Ashton and Landon that they're right. Boys, your mama is middle-aged. My 45th birthday comes at such an interesting moment in time. It's a new moon in Aries on my birthday, March 24th. This new moon is right on time. With the new moon in Aries, it's a time to really rest, you know, put a rest to those old ways, your beliefs, your old insecurities, ideas, fears, and those identities that were really holding us back and and keeping us stuck. They've been dimming us down and making us kind of small and often overwhelmed and unsatisfied. The Aries Ram is setting fire to all that no longer serves us. It's truly a time for transformation and a time of manifestation towards the new us and all that that entails. A new outlook on life, a new way of caring for ourselves and our planet, new ideas and values, and perhaps even new relationships or a new and more satisfying or less stressful career. This whole entire coronavirus is is truly symbolizing for each of us, our world, and a rebirth. Just as corona means crown in Latin, the crown is something, it's, it's what comes out when we're birthed. We're coming out head first, our crown. We as individuals, families, companies, communities, governments, and economics, they're all going to be rebirthed. And I mean, Pluto, it's in Capricorn right now, too, until 2023, which Capricorn's a very practical and intelligent sign astrologically. And Pluto, now that's the destroyer. So what it's going to do is take out everything that's not in our best interest or the best interest of the world. With CV, coronavirus, and all that that entails, the physical distancing, your job, your food, your toil and insecurity, all of those things that are going on. I know many folks have an anxiety level right now that's on about 10. Now others, they're pleased. They finally get to isolate. This has been a lifelong wish, a goal that has come true for many. Many have been practicing this for quite a long time. So they maybe aren't even noticing a huge change. While it is tragic and it's A given that some things are never going to be quite the same. For me, it's truly become the writing on the wall. Um, It actually happened a few days ago when Kenny Rogers, when he left this physical world. As an only child, an Aries sun and a Leo moon and rising. uh, Plus, since it's my birthday, of course I'm going to take this moment to make it just a bit about me. So, back to Kenny. I woke up Saturday morning with a text from my mama. She was letting me know that he had passed away, and she knew I'd be devastated. Mom and I had gone down to a concert in Kansas City. It was him and Dolly Parton. 
back in 1989. Oh, I was elated. I can feel it. I can smell it. I can hear it. I can see it like it was yesterday. His transition, it broke my heart. As that husky voice, that was the soundtrack to so much of my life. Kenny reminded me a lot of my daddy. They really favored one another. They, they sure looked alike until Kenny had the hooded eyelids removed with his plastic surgery. Because his legendary music it taught us about life, about love. It was what we wanted to hear and what many wished that they could so smoothly say. Kenny was a storyteller. Like my friend Chris reflected, Kenny just knew how to reach our soul like so few did. He reminds me of a simpler and a more safe time. Not perfect times, but oh so nostalgic times. And I, like I believe that many others, they long for that, especially right now. So many of Kenny Ray Rogers' lyrics, they were metaphors for life. The Gambler, that was not truly about a card game. As Kenny reminded us, the secret to surviving is knowing what to throw away and knowing what to keep. Let that one sink in. Now y'all have been hearing me discuss this pause that I've taken as of late and I've really encouraged others to do the same as we have just been pushed and pulled and rushed and overwhelmed and exhausted and simply not living our best lives or sharing our gifts. So many have settled for the status quo and I kept saying, it was, folks, it's time to stop. It's time to reevaluate. It's time to shine brightly. Now, no need for an I told you so right now, but I do believe that Often when something serious happens, it really causes us to finally take that much needed respite. Sometimes it's our own bodies. We might get sick and we have to finally slow down. It can be a life-changing event or, you know, something for ourselves or for a loved one or mother nature making us come to a screeching halt and instantly living in the present moment. Certainly, I'm not here to share my medical knowledge since I have no professional training and I'm not here to preach my politics. However, I would be remiss to not notice that much of what my candidate, Bernie Sanders, has been fighting for his whole career and what he's been bashed for is right now what so many non-believers are begging for due to this pandemic. Oops, I digressed. But I bet you're smelling what I'm stepping in. I'll never act as though coronavirus is not real. I would, and I feel it would really be reckless of me, especially an individual with a congenital heart defect and only one kidney, and now I guess middle-aged, to deny the seriousness of contacting this virus. However, I implore you, shut off the mainstream media. Be done with CNN and the wretched Fox News and MSNBC. Nothing. I repeat, no thing good will come from it. Many of my friends and family have seemingly become addicted to scrolling and binge watching and reading the news. And guess what is happening? They're stressed. They're anxiety ridden. They're angry. They are overwhelmed. 
They are switching into the scarcity thinking. How often have I turned in the, on the news? Zero, zilch, nada, no times. As an empath and a person with a highly sensitive nervous system who really, truly feels everything deeply and for every person and every animal and I just know it's not in my best interest to tune in. So obviously I'm getting bits and pieces as I am on social media and I'm getting texts and phone calls from friends and family, but I've reminded them, I simply, I do not want to hear it. I'm being safe and I'm being responsible. As always, I'm drinking tons of water. I'm washing my hands well. I take regular doses of my homemade elderberry syrup. It's ginger and obviously elderberries, but ginger, onion, garlic, lemon, honey, local honey. And yes, vegans, I do eat honey, but however, I am plant-based. Um, I use some Iowa vodka, but you could make it with some apple cider vinegar if you require or you desire no alcohol. You can also switch it up to like a brandy or a whiskey if you wanted, if you did, did want, want that in it. I'm getting plenty of fresh air and regular movement. I get outside barefoot every day and do some grounding, you know, by earthing. I take my lion's mane tincture that I make. I take astragalus and a mix of some other vitamins. I eat a plant-based diet, so tons of healthy organic fruits and vegetables. So I'm getting lots of fiber and nutrients. I still enjoy my daily green smoothies. I drink my homemade kombucha every day. You know, it helps with gut health, but plus it's just good. But I, I've explained to my inner circle, please holler at your girl once it's confirmed that this virus is coming in through the walls. At that point, that's when I'm going to be alarmed. But until then, I choose to stay present and not stress about it. That, my loves, that is what I hope you will choose for yourselves as well. Staying in the present moment at times like this, it's imperative. I certainly want to preface this with a few disclaimers. Yes, this is real. This is serious. Your thoughts and your feelings, they are absolutely valid. Those who are prone to depression and anxiety and other mental health concerns, I get it. This is a lot and I'm holding space for you all. I appreciate the hard work and the dedication of workers like my son Landon. He's you know, still working in a retail store and those workers who are diligently out there in the medical field. My past colleagues who are still frontline in social work roles, our sanitation workers, my truck drivers who are out there helping us get our essential items that we require. Those in service roles like the heroic firefighters who tried to save my place last spring when an irresponsible neighbor caught it on fire. Our police officers like my grandpa was, and of course, our military, like my son Ashton. Also, my heart goes out to all whose livelihood is rather up in the air right now, especially those small business owners, and they're out there really creatively trying to stay afloat, like Carrie with New You Yoga, that's a U, the letter. Check her out. She's got some virtual classes that you guys could take in gals. I think you'd enjoy those. However, as I generally do, I want to encourage everyone to look at this challenge as a lesson 
and an opportunity. A chance to change your mindset. As I strongly believe that there are positives to this situation, and I know that even more will come down the road. And I know that's kind of a touchy subject with many, and it's um, a little controversial where many are saying, don't try to switch this into a positive. But I'm just not going to go down that road. I, I refuse to not challenge myself or you to not see some of the good that can come from these this crisis. But I also believe there are choices that we each have and tools that we have available to us that will assist us in these trying times. They'll teach us coping mechanisms that we can utilize going forward forever and that we can give to those looking up to us so they can also learn how to react to uncertain times. Folks, you are stronger and braver than you know. So now's the time to do all of those things that you've been wishing or missing. Dust off your paintbrushes and get crafty. Dig out a journal and write. Learn a new recipe. It's a new moon, so it's an awesome time to plant some seeds and start a garden. That way you can also be more self-sufficient, which is going to help you, your family, the environment. If this crisis does continue, it'd be nice to know that you could grow some things like some spinach or green beans, radishes, stuff like that. Pick up a new form of exercise. I know that the gym is closed. Mine is too. But my trainer, the OG, Katrina Ellison, she's sharing some awesome home exercises over on the IG. So go check her out. You'll thank me later. That's Katrina underscore Ellison. That's Echo Lima, Lima, Echo, November, Sierra, Oscar, Hulu, November. While you're checking out her butt, I mean the videos, leave her a message and tell her that she should soon be on the Emerald Ray Life podcast. You're finally a stay-at-home dog mom. Your fur babies are thrilled. Take them on walks. Get out there and hit your 10,000 steps each day. They will be so excited to get out and about more and to have you home. If you've got children at home or nieces and nephews over, play a board game like my friend Stacy Oakley is always doing. Read a real book. So shut off your computer. Sing. Jump on your rebounder. It's like a mini trampoline to some fun music. Play with your dog. Wrestle with them. They, they get so excited. Write out a business plan because, you know, now that you've been working from home, you're realizing you're tired of being unappreciated at your J-O-B. You're just over broke. Or the job that's just causing you to be in time debt. You might be making buco bucks, but shoot, you never get to see your family or you never get to take any time off for yourself. Remember, you guys and girls, your owner, your 
they're never going to pay you enough to be their neighbor. Take a hot bubble bath. Write down your reasons why your company should allow you to work from home for at least a couple of days a week, if nothing else. Practice advocating for yourself in the mirror. You'll realize that now that you and your fur babies or kiddos have gotten a taste for you being at home, you're not going to want to go back to the loud office with the annoying fluorescent lights. And it's time that you convince others that it's time for a change. I'm sure many businesses are wishing that they had had a better plan together for times like these. In fact, side note, my junior college, Indian Hills in Ottumwa, Iowa, that was where I got my first degree. It, the thing I loved, and it's, it made it hard for me to go to work on Fridays ever since, but they didn't have school on, on Fridays. Back, I believe in the 70s, they, for energy reasons, they had shut down and just did a Monday through Thursday, and it, it was nice, but I mean, there's so much to it. It saves, you know, electric, it saves gas, all of that. And then as an individual, it saves you about $150 a, a week. That's a lot. I'm sorry, a month, not a week. But over a year, that's quite a bit. There's some other things that you can do, like rearrange your furniture right now. Get more feng shui. Uh, call your senators about issues that are really eating at your heart. Um, you could Marie Kondo your home and declutter it. Decide what really brings you joy. Thank it for being in your life and box that sucker up and, and give it away or to an, a friend or donate it to a shelter or take it to a consignment shop. Make a few bucks. Give your partner some good loving. Call your oldest family member and interview them. Ask them questions about your family now while they're here. Watch some classic movies or your old favorite sitcom. Find something new. Those are some things that you can do right now. So don't, don't sit around and fuss about being bored. I, I never have understood boredom at all. And I think it's also a good time to get to know yourself and enjoy you. It, it seems so many people with the physical distancing are really thinking of it as social isolation. Isolate. Well, apparently that's not a word that comes to me at 45 anymore. <clears throat> but the isolating is really getting to a lot of people. But I encourage people to get to enjoy themselves. You're really like the coolest. So yeah, those are some things you guys can be doing right now. A few things that you can do to relieve stress and anxiety would be practicing being present and just reminding yourself that you're okay. You know, give yourself a big hug, push on your legs, stare out the window. I like to like focus at the, the tiniest thing I can see. A lot of times it's this wire. There's a electrical wire way across the way and I can see that and I'll even switch my eyes and look with my right eye and my left eye and 
it's just a thing that I do, but I find it helpful. Write down things that you appreciate. Your health, the roof over your head, your food, your pets, etc. Change how you speak and speak in the the present moment. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So instead of saying, saying, I'm peeling the potatoes to make soup for dinner tonight, just I'm peeling potatoes. That's what you're doing. And just start to be cognizant of what you are doing. Stop multitasking. My friend Amy Smith, she's an amazing lender here in the Des Moines area. She always reminds me, Reagan, you can't ride two horses with one ass. And I used to think I could. I used to think I was an amazing multitasker. But the older I got, the more I realized it didn't work anymore. But I also realized that I think we can get addicted to doing so many things at once. My son Ashton and I were chatting about that the other day. And he's actually really, really trying to focus in more on just one thing. And, you know, because they'll have, he'll have his computer on, the TV on, his cell phone doing something else. And just so much going on around. And you're, you're just not present. But, um. Yeah, that's a hard one for me because I'm just pretty hyper and I don't really have a lot of focus. So I'm getting much better at it. I But I mean, for real, I was like that lady that would go to the bathroom and stand up before I got my pants pulled up. I'm scrubbing the toilet or doing something else in the bathroom. I'm like, dude, just pull up your friggin' pants. Some other things you can do when you're eating, take a smaller bite. Place your utensil down once you take that bite and really chew your food and chew it slowly and savor it and get all of the flavors, you know, practice getting your palate more in tune with, with different flavors and senses. Chew on that until it becomes more of a liquid than a solid before you swallow. When you're talking with someone and having that conversation, listen to them, listen to who's talking. Get out of your own head and stop thinking about your response. Don't interrupt people. Now, this is a hard one for me, and I'm, I'm certainly working on it, but uh, that's going to be a long work in progress, I'm afraid. Pay attention to your breath. Breathe in slowly and breathe out even more slowly. Some other little things I'll do, I'll try to breathe in through one nostril. I'll say, I'm just going to breathe in through my left nostril. And it's hard, but try that. Feel your heartbeat. Clear down to your fingertips. Crazy, wasn't it? You start to feel that kind of bulging in your fingertips. Who knew? <laughs> Name the things around you. What, drawing attention to them. Like, what are you doing? What's that noise, that smell, that feel? Watch your dogs and cats. They stretch a lot. They're in the present moment. They get into Dalbert Dog, get down there and join them. Do some cat cows. Do some yoga poses. So stand in warrior pose and embrace that inner rebel. Mine is named Ruby. She wears red. She stands like Wonder Woman with her hands on her hips and her legs kind of apart. Create rituals that you look forward to. My favorite I love to just wrap my hands around a hot mug of coffee or tea and just slowly inhale the aroma before I take that first sip. 
pay attention to your body from head to toe. So move things, you know, move your head from side to side and wiggle your toes. I'll spell the alphabet with my feet, kind of get those ankles moving. Embarrassingly, this was a, hmm, this is a funny story. I tore three ligaments in my ankle back in 2003 and I was with my dear friend, Eric Peterson and who's transitioned and he's no longer here physically, but boy, he was ornery. Anyway, I was doing the crane after a few drinks, you know, like the karate kid and I went down on my ankle wrong, but to prove to him I was tough. I did it two more times. It was stupid. I ended up on crutches, but in therapy, they taught me to do the alphabet with my ankles and I've always just done it to kind of keep them loosened up. But do that. Pay attention to how they feel. Over time, you'll realize they'll start to move a little better. Go outside. Go on a walk without your headphones. You can put your cell phone, you can take it, of course, for safety reasons, but put it on Do Not Disturb. Pay attention to everything around you. The noise, you know, the birds, the leaves rustling in the wind, the smell of the rain or after the rain. And smile. So on a positive note, although we're practicing this physical distancing, we seem more united now. As a nation, I feel we seem more united than we have in years. We're reminded that we're more alike than we are different. We're all humans and we're clearly not invincible. We have needs and wants and rights and we all deserve certain things. People are being neighborly again. Folks are helping strangers. Individuals are showing appreciation for others. That, my dears, that is true beauty. So yes, we can spread a deadly virus. Yet how delightful it is instead to spread love, kindness, and compassion by being heart-centered. So since Mother Nature has slapped us across our metaphorical faces like Cher did in Moonstruck, remember when her character Loretta explained and demanded uh, that Ronnie is played by Nicolas Cage that he should catch that? Snap out of it. Now that that's happened, I mean, we basically have all just gotten in trouble and sent to our friggin' rooms to think about our actions and our blatant disregard for ourselves and our families, our pets who were stuck at home a lot by themselves, our, our environment, our dreams, our goals. So while in this time out, you can finally do all of those things that you normally couldn't do because you were in time debt. You were overwhelmed by the rush of society and life. Dude, just unplug. Oh, and FYI, when I say dude, which I do about a hundred times a day, that right now and has always been since I was at Evans Junior High, an absolutely all-inclusive term of endearment, regardless if you identify as a he, she, or a they. I say guys a lot too for 
he, she, and they. So try not to get in your feelings about it too much, please. Because I mean no disrespect. But for real though, it's crazy awesome to see all of these rad changes that are going on with Mother Earth. She's been able to really catch her breath a bit. Recently, um, the Instagrams I showed, or I shared a story. It was uh, something fascinating to me that Gina Mayer had put together. Let me read it to you. Since the lockdown, Venice's canals have become crystal clear. Italy's coast have dolphins coming nearer and nearer. Japan now has deer roaming freely in the streets. And Thailand, the same with monkeys. China has record-breaking pollution cuts. The earth has already begun showing signs of amazing things that are happening in the absence of human pollution. What if, and hear me out, what if the entire human population used this as an opportunity to restart society on a greener, more environment-conscious foot? What we're seeing in the span of a couple days is amazing. A pipe dream. Again, that was by Gina Mayer. Folks, this is huge. My son Landon showed me a picture the other day of the canals with the fish swimming in them, and that was pretty cool. And someone else showed me a picture of uh, the pollution over China, and I just thought, you know, this is really remarkable. And I know that right now that's maybe too big and too far away for us to realize the effect of it, but... I think it's huge, and I think that we are going to learn to be more self-sufficient and get more back to our ancestral roots where we cook for ourselves again. I just, it blows my mind that more people don't cook for themselves, and y'all, it is so much healthier to make your own food. I'm not acting like I never eat out because I'm clearly, uh, I eat, but I do try to to make my own foods as much as possible, and it really does make a huge difference. You just you feel different when you're eating food that's made with love. So I close today on my birthday with a game-changing, gentle encouragement. Y'all just take a deep breath and remember who the fuck you are. We got this. Hello, happy Sunday. I hope you guys are enjoying. We have lovely weather here in Iowa, so that's a blessing. I need to get outside and let my dog run and put my feet on the ground and enjoy some nature here shortly. I just finished up an amazing call that I had with Asia Ophelia of the Girlfriend Manifesto. If you guys haven't checked her out, absolutely go to her Instagram She's over there on the Instagram, so check her out. She's a wealth of knowledge and just an amazing soul. You can just feel her vibe in all that she does. A very uh, prolific writer and creative, just, just a healer, an all-around 
great woman. So check her out. I'm in a course that she does. It's called the Society for Wild Hearts, and I enjoy it tremendously. I learn so much with uh, with her prompts, and we have a monthly group call, which is usually a few of us, but today, I think with it being in the middle of Sunday afternoon, people are probably out, you know, doing some spring cleaning in their home or out in the yard, getting that garden ready, things like that. So it was just the two of us, which is a blessing. It was for me and I believe for her as well. And I know with myself, you know, when I lead groups, sometimes it's hard to to not get a little in my feelings and frustrated when I put time and effort and energy into putting something together and then only one or two people show up. But you know what? It's so important to realize that when that happens, that's exactly what was supposed to happen. So I think that it's sometimes hard to get out of our own heads in our own way and realize that. But I know that any time that I've done that, I've done you know many things where I've led groups, whether it was an in-home party or a sister circle or you name it. And in the end, I'm like, everybody who was supposed to be here was here. So try to, um, to just go with the flow whenever something like that happens. I mean, she could have been like, you know what, Reagan, it's just you. So we'll have to meet next month when everybody shows up. But of course she didn't do that. She's a wise woman and we just went with it. And I learned so much today. So one of the activities that we did was really cool. We, um, we were going to do a virtual show and tell, but for some reason, my, uh, my computer was really lagging. And so we didn't do the video. We just talked through it. And so I explained what I had created, which was I recently found, what well, wasn't recent necessarily. I, when I go on walks, I take Raleigh on a walk. We always walk over to a park near my house and I toss the twigs and the sticks that I find. And sometimes he'll bring it back and I'm like, Oh, Rawls, don't, don't do that anymore. It's perfect. I need it for this craft or this activity. I've got an idea. So I just go on these walks and here I come with these big sticks sometimes. And I know people are like, what the hell is this crazy woman doing with the, you know, carrying this stick? I mean, sometimes they're taller than me. And a while back I was helping a couple of my friends and we're doing some backyard cleanup, which I wish she had made a video of me arguing with a stick in the backyard. I didn't realize she was watching me so long and she got a kick out of my <laughs> fight with this stick that just was stuck and I cut myself and it was quite the production. But anyway, I found some, not petrified wood, but um, some old logs that had kind of rotted, but they were beautiful to me and I knew that I could create something with it. I've had this idea for making some fairy gardens for quite a while and I knew I wanted to cover it in moss, but I wasn't really sure how to do that. Well, I was on a walk with Raleigh and near my complex, I right by our pool are these bushes and along the bushes, I, I think it's because it's moist right there. And I know people don't like the word moist, 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 moist. Why do you guys hate it? It's kind of like pussy. People have issues with these words, man. Just embrace them. They're, they're all good say it out loud a few times fast, you'll feel better. Anyway, 
I digress. Uh, so I saw this moss and I was able to just kind of get under that, that layer. You know, you go down about a good, you know, maybe centimeter, a centimeter and a half, and you can pull up part of that soil. And I carried the moss back again. I'm sure my neighbors are like, holy crap, here she comes carrying grass or whatever I had that day and some worms to add to my little garden. <laughs> so I took the moss and I covered it on that broken log and it's beautiful. So I've got my little um, bird. I have a little birdhouse with a cardinal and another one that reads fairy crossing and a gnome. And then I have my give him a grouchy, which I don't know if you've seen, but they're adorable. And I used to always have it on my desk when one of us was having a bad day. We would, you know, just kind of set that on someone's cube. And at my old uh, place, that was needed uh, most every day for someone. So um, the beauty of a toxic office space. <clears throat> but you learn some coping tools for sure. Anyway, it's just a little clay piece and it's this silly face and it reminds me of the little fella that's hiding under the bridge in Billy Goat's Gruff but when you look at it you can't help but smile and so sometimes somebody might just set that on your desk and you're like you're right I am being a total bitch or you'd see your buddy sitting there struggling and you put it on there and you know it's it's inevitable there's going to be a little grin and a little sigh that comes out and they realize yeah you know what just uh don't sweat the small stuff so I've um, been working on that making this little fairy garden but I'm excited to watch this moss grow <clears throat> another thing that you can do if you're looking for some creative activities is if you find that what you can take is um, take some moss and buttermilk I'm going to try it with I don't know if it has to be milk, like actual dairy, but everything I Google says buttermilk. But you could, you know, I make my own buttermilk with a nut milk along with just a little splash of apple cider vinegar. So, but you blend that up and then you can use it as a paint. So you could put it on if you're wanting to, you know, cover some bricks or you've got cracks and you want to do that. The moss will grow in the cold and uh, it just needs some moisture basically. So not necessarily direct sun, <clears throat> excuse me, not direct sun, but, um, you know, a little bit of indirect sunlight and moisture and with that bacteria, it will get, get to grow in and I think it's beautiful. So I'm going to put that on, on my bricks outside in front or behind my raised beds where my garden will be. And then I've got more of these um, little fairy gardens I'm going to make. And even on some concrete blocks I have, I'm putting that. So to make it look a little prettier. But back to my twigs. So basically, as I am out around in nature, I find things. And you can always give back. My friend Kate of Healing Collections. And um, she's roommates with one of my best friends, Jordan, and, and his boyfriend, Brian. And they're always doing awesome activities as well and so I know they'll paint rocks and different things and then go give them as you know as a blessing and as a gift and as a thank you to show appreciation so if she you know may take some pine cones for instance from a tree she may go back and give back to that and that's always important so 
I've got to um, get in that habit as well. But um, just be mindful if you're taking something to give back. But I encourage you, you know, there's so much. I'm in Iowa and we've got, you know, so many native things to to our state. So get out in nature and, and learn about it and utilize those things. For instance, for winter, for the for winter solstice and my December sister circle, we always do the sister circle the last Monday of every month. And I decorated with pine. I was over at the park near my home and the pine tree there, there'll be tiny little twigs that break off with pine and I may decorate with that. I may use some and light it to do some herbal smoke cleanses for my home. I've got some of the pine soaking in oil to make an oil blend with that pine. So there's so many things that you can do. But I did. I made wreaths with the pine cones and the pine. And I had some fruit that was a little past um, what I wanted to eat. And so I sliced it thinly. Some grapefruit and an orange and an apple. Sprinkled some cinnamon on it and I dehydrated it. it. It smells amazing. It also looks beautiful. I've added that to candles, broken it up and put it in there, but I've used it in my decor and just as an air freshener. So stop with the chemicals. Just stop. Start to rely on yourself and our earth and you will be blessed. So today we did our Society of Wild Hearts call and I shared with her for our virtual show and tell I explained the uh, the frame it wasn't a frame so much but the um, photo holder that I created so what I did I took the two twigs and I braided some twine and I made a hanging picture display and I am so blessed to have amazing photos from my family and you know many who I've known and many of my ancestors who came before me that I didn't have the privilege of meeting in person so with them I just talked to them now like my great-grandpa Mart I didn't know him he passed away in 1970 so five years before I was born my dad thinks of him every day and he really was an amazing grandpa to my dad I sure wish I had gotten to know him I didn't get that opportunity, but it's okay. I can still talk to him. I can still ask him for advice. He was an amazing farmer, and he raised a family who was happy and was able to live off of the land and just live a slower and more peaceful life. A funny story about him, he was, um, I, you know, I definitely speak like an educated sailor and <laughs> great grandpa mart he was a he was a christian man as was my great grandma ella his wife he didn't he didn't swear so dad said instead of you know grandpa wouldn't say shit he's sugar 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 so i'm working on that you know i'm working on my what the forks and for fox sakes, instead of dropping my F-bombs all the time. I will not make any promises. You will probably hear some before this podcast is over, but uh, I know I can incorporate some of that. My best friend, she used to really try to not swear as well, and oh, she would come up with some, some silly things. 
just it's so funny to to use your creativity <laughs> to say other things instead of swear words but I'm I'm a cusser and uh it is what it is so just deal with it I guess but but I'll work on it so that was the one thing I made. I hung these pictures and I did post it recently on the Instagrams so you can see it out there. And I, I really hope that you will take a look at it again. My, my Instagram is, is that Emerald Ray life. There is a period between each word. So that dot Emerald dot Ray dot life. Ray is R A E. The reason it's R A E, my great grandma, Elsie Ray, my, my maternal grandma so my mom's mom's mom she's my kindred spirit and her name was Elsie Ray so and of course my name is Reagan my great-grandpa's middle name was um, Raymond so there's a lot of Rays in the family but I prefer it the feminine spelling R-A-E my great grandma my dad's side my my dad's mom's mom her middle name was May M-A-E so I, I prefer that spelling and that's why I went with that. And of course my nickname, Ray Ray. So there is that, <clears throat> but you can go over there and see it. I posted it earlier this week. I made it the other day. I've got to admit I had a guilty pleasure. I don't generally find myself watching stupid comedy or, um, things such as that, but I gave in. And I caught myself having a binge of uh, the Tiger King, that Carol Bastion. She's a piece of work. She's the devil in disguise, I'm pretty sure. So I caught myself watching that. And for whatever reason, I'm like, you know, I can't, I just cannot sit here and, and watch this. Like that, it's, it's one thing to admit I watched it, but it would have been a whole other thing if I just sat on, you know, my lazy butt on the couch and watched it. God forbid, that's just not how I get down. And so I got up and I started making this photo display that I'd wanted to for so long. And it was, it was really, it was fun. And I was very pleased with it. So what I did, I took the two twigs, they're, they're a good Oh, they're probably, what would I say, maybe six inches around, you know, I mean, they're smaller than my wrist, but, and about maybe, oh, a foot and a half long, if that, maybe just over a foot, and from that I took the twine, I braided it, and did three long braids down to another twig that hangs at the bottom, and then I just took some old clothespins that I had found at my great-grandma's not my great-grandma, my grandma Franz, and I hung those old black and white pictures up, so it's lovely. I've got a picture of my grandma and grandpa, my dad's parents, and their their little lovebirds just staring into each other's eyes. My grandma's sitting there and just leaned back on her arm on a blanket and uh, looking over at my my grandpa Dale, and then in the corner who you really don't notice is my great grandma Ella my my grandma Ingle so my paternal my dad's grandma and she's just watching her son and her future daughter-in-law sit there grandma Ella was a quiet woman she was my my sugar 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 grandpa's wife and 
I couldn't even tell you what her voice was. I, I don't remember it, but I spent a significant amount of time with her. I would ride my bicycle over to her home. We lived out in the country, but Daddy would put my bike in the back of his, his uh, pickup truck. He had an old green and white truck, fast gym on the license plate, which is funny because I don't remember my dad driving overly fast, but that was his that was his vanity plate, that, and we have Engel, and we still have that forever. But he would put my banana seat bike in the back and take me to town. And we'd go to my Uncle Huddy's gas station. That's one of the pictures as well. I have very fond memories at Uncle Huddy's. His name was Harold. He was my Grandpa Dale's brother, Harold. And it's a picture of Grandpa Dale and my Uncle Huddy and his son, Bob. One of my dad's cousins. He's a few years older than dad. I, I didn't know Bob well. He passed away when I was young. But Dad was very fond of him. They were probably, um, that was one of my dad's favorite cousins. Him and my, my dad's cousin Chuck was, was by far his his partner in crime for a long time. Chuck died in a car wreck when I was in fifth grade. So he was a handsome man for sure. My goodness, I found an old army picture of him and he was he was a looker. So, Uncle Huddy, the reason that they call him Uncle Huddy, well, they don't call him Uncle, but I did, but Harold's name was Huddy, you know, you know that farmer wave, kind of do that little flick, flick of your wrist with your, your finger, your index finger to the air, you know, as you're driving down the country roads, you, you do that nice wave to everybody you see, and Huddy would do that, and every time he'd see someone, he'd say, Huddy, you know, instead of Howdy. We're a little country in our, our southeastern Iowa area. So Uncle Huddy said, howdy, like Huddy, and that just became his nickname. He was a nice man. So was his wife, Agnes. Well, she was a nice woman. I, I used to love to go to their gas station. He owned a Conoco gas station, and um, he was a mechanic. And I thought it was so cool to watch him. He'd go to the back, and people would come in. They needed their tire fixed, patched up, and he'd take that tire off fast as heck, toss it in that big thing of water, and watch for the bubbles. And I thought it was magic how he knew <clears throat> where that, that tire needed patched. I also thought it was amazing. In the back, a tree grew up through the, the roof somehow. And that was just really cool on that back side of that gas station. So Dad would go there or down to the old Ollie Inn Tavern. And I'd go ride my bike, or Daddy would be down. He had the Engel Brothers bulldozing and trucking, and they sponsored his softball team. Him and his brother Jack had that. And so they had black and gold, like a Hawkeye shirt, but uh, black and gold T-shirts, and they play softball over at the, the ball fields where the old Ollie Elem, um, school used to be until they tore that down. And I'd just ride my bike around. But I'd go up and I'd visit my great-grandma Ella, and just show up at her house and hang out with her. But again, I can't remember her ever talking. She was just a quiet woman who didn't say too much. I'd go to church with her. I remember when I was four, I went with her to get our family, to get our pictures done. And she went and I went. And I sure didn't need my nails painted that day. I had chipped nail polish. I still remember that. And they did a book, the Ollie Baptist Church. It must have been, I don't know if it was the centennial anniversary. Gosh, I'm not for sure, but um, they did a book. I wish I could find it. I bet maybe my mom and dad have it. 
and they they talked about each of the people in the book but I was in there I don't know where my mom and dad were they didn't really go to church with me they dropped me off a lot but I thought my grandma was really cool she was an older lady she lived to be 97 but even um you know well into her late 80s I would say even the early 90s her early 90s which would have been the early 90s she was still driving this big old-fashioned long car and I just thought she was just pretty badass that she could still drive I mean she was driving in you know the metropolis of Ollie so it wasn't like it was busy but to me that was a big deal that she got out there and drove and funny story about grandma Ella she was married to my great-grandpa Mart and Mart's Mart had a brother named Leif, L-A-F-E. Leif married a lady named Susie. Well, Susie McWilliams was my grandma Ella Marie McWilliams' sister. So they were sisters, and they married brothers. And I always remember thinking when I was younger, boy, you know, I never met them. They were all, they were, all three of them except my great-grandma were gone before I was born. But I knew that um, that had happened that the sisters had married brothers, and I thought, wow, if if they had had kids, I wonder if they would have looked like Martin Ellis' kids, you know, if my grandpa Dale and his siblings would have looked like his, his cousins. And he did have cousins. They had a boy and a girl. The little girl passed away, I believe, when she was three, and then they had a son, and I have found one picture of him. Um, he did not seem to really look like my grandpa too much um but I I just thought that was interesting I cannot remember how the kids died I believe they were three and seven but um but yeah they lost their their children at a, a very young age I remember seeing pictures of Susie I have pictures of um Susie and Ella when they were young teen girls with their mom and what's the mom's name Maylie I'll have to look that up. I think it was Maylie. But Susie was always a bit somber and sad and melancholy. But now, you know, now that I know, she lost children. She lost her babies. And not just her babies, and not that I'm in any way, meaning the younger the child, the the less the loss. Goodness, no. But, um, I mean, she, she knew those kids. They were seven years old. And that's huge. So they took a part of her. And it would have been interesting to see. Perhaps she would have smiled so much more in pictures. That being said, back then, though, folks were just more stoic in their, I mean, just in general, but definitely in their pictures. They just didn't smile like us. But I tell you who did smile in every picture, my Grandpa Dale. You never see a picture of Grandpa Dale without that ornery grin. And that grin I miss, you could, my boys didn't know it, but I mean, they always saw his grandpa smoking his pipe, but they didn't know, you know, growing up, the teeth that my grandpa smiled at me with, they were worn out on the side. Grandpa and dad and mine aren't, aren't near as long, but they're still longer. My, our front teeth are, are quite a bit longer than the teeth beside it. And, and those teeth on Grandpa wore out. And so that middle tooth and the one next to it on one side where he held that pipe, you know, driving his tractor, driving his truck, out working in the machine shed. Grandpa always had that pipe. And with his velvet tobacco. And he, his teeth wore out right there. 
Well, over the years, he ended up getting dentures. He went to Iowa City to the university and had some dentures made. Or maybe the VA. Maybe I made up Iowa City, but I feel like it was Iowa City. He came to the VA here for in Des Moines for his knee replacement. He was uh, in the Navy. Anyway, he got those dentures. So his teeth, they didn't make them like his natural teeth where they were more, all, you know, all filed down one length. But that's just not how the Ingle teeth are. So they should have made him look more like his natural teeth. But, yep, those that dang pipe sure wore, wore out his teeth. But I do have a, a picture of Grandpa in his Navy, Navy uniform with his dad, with great with great-grandpa Mart. Uh, I put up a picture of my grandpa on his John Deere tractor. I love that one. He was a bigger man then. I mean, he was he was a, a huskier. He wasn't overweight necessarily, but he was certainly not a, a lanky man. I mean, Ingalls just aren't made small, but of my grandpa's siblings, he was certainly the thickest, but I bet quite a bit of money that his wife was uh, the best cook of all of the the siblings' wives and of his sister, too. My grandma, Evelyn, man, she could cook. She didn't think so, but she could, and I, I appreciate that, and I believe that that's where I, I got my ability to just create in the kitchen and, um, you know, just put a little essence of yourself into to everything. But she was an amazing, amazing cook for sure. And her cakes were beautiful. She was a cake decorator, did over 300 cakes a year. So I love to think about the memories my grandma created for so many people around that, that area, Keokuk County. You know, birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, you name it. She was making that cake. I can remember the calendar she had on the wall that, you know, said every, you know, the date that was coming up and whose cake she would be making and what they suggested. And it was fun to watch the different trends that she, I don't know where she got her idea. Of course, this is before Pinterest. Boy, just think of the things she could have done if, if they had social media and get, she could have gotten different ideas. But, you know, grandma was making the naughty cakes before that was a thing and, she made these silly, that was so gross, but grandma made these silly cakes with, um, she would just do a, kind of an oval shaped cake, take out the center and, uh, you know, isn't turning, turning 40s, just the shits, things like that. She did a Monopoly board cake for people. My favorite cake she made me, oh goodness, I have so many, so many, um, my Cabbage Patch Kid, Zia Donna. I got Ziadonna in fourth grade. So my grandma Fran was frugal as hell, didn't believe in toys. I don't know if I should share this because she would be so mad at me, but I've already started, so I'm going to go with it. I'm going to put it out there that I was the favorite. (laughs) Grandma was frugal, and she didn't really give gifts. She didn't really, she didn't believe in toys. And I, I didn't grow up. I mean, I definitely had toys, but anyway, back in the eighties, 1984, you guys remember that. Um, I remember I've apologized already. I say guys, so we're going to, on this uh, podcast deal with guys is all inclusive. It's a term of endearment. So is dude. So go with it. <clears throat> there was a, you know, anytime a toy becomes the thing, it's harder than hell to get, like the Furby, which of course I didn't have, and that stupid Tickle Me Elmo, but back in my day, it was the Cabbage Patch, 
kid, grandma, my grandpa had little side hustles and he was a police officer and then he retired and then he did things like drove the cars down to Kansas City. He might drive down and pick up a car with somebody and then drive it back to Vaughn's Chevrolet. So he did that and he also worked for the Union Bank, which is now U.S. Bank. But he would drive to the small little offices like Richland, Iowa, and, you know, different areas and Grandpa Don would grab the money and take it back, which seems crazy. But anyway, he did that. <laughs> so he worked for the bank and grandma at the bank, they had a raffle and you could enter to win an opportunity to buy a Cabbage Patch Kid. So she won the opportunity and she got me Zia Donna and Zia Donna. It was so cute because I I don't know if she did it on purpose. I'm going to go with yes, she did. But Zia Donna had green eyes like me and, um, you know, sandy blonde hair. She had some freckles. I'm not, not too freckled by any means. She had on a little pink polka dotted dress. And I think I'll name my next plant Zia Donna. So she bought me that and I got that gift for Christmas in 1984 and, and I needed it. That was a tough Christmas. But just so my cousins know, I always got taken to the, the room and was like, now, now Reggie Pusky, you know I don't believe in giving Christmas gifts, but I wanted you to have this set of pajamas. I wanted you to have this cast iron skillet. Do you, is that too big? Do you like it that size? And then she'd slip me, you know, a little bit of money here and there and $2 bills, of course. She gave us all $2 bills for each birthday. But she was always giving me giving me stuff, and now Reggie Pusky, now Regina, you don't need to tell anybody, but I'm, I'm letting her secret out, so, but that meant a lot to me, so yeah, I got, I got Christmas pajamas every year, just so you Hoffmans know that I, I did get that, so, um, anyway, I just think it's important to, to know your stories of your family, and if you don't, damn it, get on the phone get write a letter, do something when you can go visit your elderly um, relatives that are still around and ask them questions because if you don't get those stories, I mean, you're going to lose that and that's so sad. I mean, I am blessed with families who have shared stories and have um, you know written written down so many things. So I know, a lot about my family and a lot about my lineage and I'm I'm a little sad because I, I want to know more but sometimes what I'll do I just I talk to them I, you know I'll ask even if I never met them I might ask like hey grandma Nancy that's that was my great-grandma on my my grandpa in my grandpa Dale's side that was his grandma I never asked him about his grandma you know, maybe she made the best chocolate chip cookies. Who knows? I'm pretty sure she died of tuberculosis at a, not young, but younger age. She didn't live as long as most of my relatives. <clears throat> but who knows? You know, maybe she read the best bedtime stories or I'm not, you know, you just don't know. Like my grandma, she could outfish any, any man, catfish kitty. They called my grandma Evelyn. You know, you need to know these stories. 
we need to know what was your dad's favorite dish i know mine my grandma oh my goodness i do not eat meat but i will eat some chicken and noodles if she could come back and make me some golly what i would do for for her chicken and noodles and they weren't even fancy i mean she didn't season a ton you know just probably some salt and pepper but man she made her food with love and that tastes so much different and um I know that, that I'm able to do the same, and I'm thankful to her for that. There's so many days I want one of her recipes, but she wasn't a, she didn't write much down, and she just, you know, it, it's love, I'm telling you. But she, she was a great cook. Sorry, my dog is in the background snoring on my old Willis. He's, he's transitioning, I would say. He's, um... We're just kind of in hospice over here, loving each, loving him up. But yeah, during this time, you guys just get creative, do some things. And I know you're getting sick of hearing it and everybody's got anxious and all of that. And I've definitely created some things to help with that. If you're interested, I can put more of them out. I made a silly one, but it, it's fun and it is it is soothing and fun and relaxing and realizes it just kind of takes the edge off. But I did a narration for my friends, uh, the, the Western Rattler versus the Roadrunner. And so in my National Geographic voice, I narrated what it's like to be that, that snake and to be so courageous and, you know, poisonous where people are scared of you yet, um, you're just wise and even though you've got some some handicaps really against you I mean shit the snake the snake doesn't have legs you guys but man they they figure out how to to survive and they also know when it's time to just get the hell out of somewhere like if it's not serving you if sitting right out in the middle of that desert or wherever and that roadrunner is about to swoop down and get you because they're smart and they're fast and have legs that and go quickly and man get find some find shelter for a minute take that respite take that break get away cool down in some grass somewhere so uh, just knowing you know to to have your guard up yet also sometimes just just relax lay on a hot rock in the sun and get warmer if you need to so anyway I did a silly one on that for my friends, but, um, but I was, I was very serious and I learned that from Lola Pickett. Like when, when life is freaking stressing you out, just there's so many different tools that I'm realizing that I have, and I'm trying to share those with people because you guys have your, your panties in a knot right now and, um, it's not going to serve you well. So just try very hard. I know it's much easier said than done, but to get away from that scarcity thinking and that fear-based mentality, but yeah, I, you know, I, I sent some silly things to my friends and family, like, oh, look at the, look at the crazy human in the recliner in the corner, stressing himself out, watching the news. Shut off that news, you crazy human. Get away from mainstream media. It will do nothing. You should stroke out if you don't stop. You may. And just giving silly advice like that like oh look at the crazy humans hoarding toilet paper but um but it does sound kind of flippant but it's it helps so whenever you're going into that stress mode just bring out your best 
National Geographic narrator and, and think of what if someone came down from far away and witnessed what was going on, you know, if an alien popped down, what would they say about us right now? So when you're in your house pacing around, freaking out, you know, of course, I've got different breathing exercises that you can do. One, I taught my friends um, something that if you just want something real quick and soothing, just take your fingers, thumb to index finger, middle finger, ring finger, index finger, or pinky finger, and just go, you know, over and over and over with whatever you're needing to hear. So I'm safe right here. I'm safe right here. I'm safe right here. Of course, breathing in slowly while you do that, and then even out slower. I'm safe right here. I'm safe right here. Things like that. Whatever you need to hear, do. Uh, so back to my call today with the society with Ophelia, um, I'm sorry, Asia Ophelia, the Society of Wild Hearts. She challenged us or me to, we each did a writing and she gave me some prompts and some options and I could write a permission letter or write a letter to my fear or enchantment. Uh, she wrote a beautiful, uh, prolific love letter to herself. It gave me chills. I, I wanted it. If I could ever receive a love letter like that, oh my God goodness I maybe would frame it it was so pretty and cool thing she did it on her pink typewriter which um, I'm a little envious of I was telling her my great-grandma Elsie was a writer she wrote a letter every day usually handwritten in her sloppy handwriting but she also had an old typewriter not even a plug-in one and I used to play on that I could I remember I created desks at both of my grandma's houses I at my grandma Hoffman's I she lived with my grandma Elsie. They grandma and grandpa uh, Hoffman did. So my grandma Fran lived with her mom for a bit while we lived upstairs, which was was pretty cool. We had a large home with two separate living quarters, and I'd go downstairs and I would type on that typewriter. But I just made my own little desk, and my grandma Evelyn's as she sat in the kitchen, hunched over her chair making her cakes. I sat next to the dishwasher with the box flipped up as my desk and I typed and I grandpa had a I actually have it somewhere I think it's in my dad's machine shed in storage but I would use his old-fashioned um why can't I think of what it's called but basically a calculator thing but it, it and uh dad said grandpa used to always sit down and do his taxes every year on that sucker but I would just sit there and type on that and pretend to answer the phone and use the keys or the buttons on grandma's dishwasher like it was a keyboard and or a switchboard. Anyway, I've always had an, an outgoing imagination and uh, had to learn to entertain myself being an only child. And on the angle side, I was the first grandchild. So for seven years, it was my grandma and grandpa were stuck with this wild little talkative nosy little girl that went through all of their things and knew where every single thing in the house was and dug stuff out all the time. I drove them all crazy, both sides. <clears throat> so Aisha had me write a letter to myself, and, and while I did that, she played some soothing music in the background. So what I'm going to do for you guys, I want to challenge you guys to do that. I definitely think you should be writing every day. Uh, there's some different things you can do, like your morning notes, where you write first thing in the morning and just kind of free flow right. I use 750 words to type out 
every day. It's a really cool website. I love it. It's it if you're a nerd like me and like stats and things, it keeps track. It lets you know how quickly you typed. It lets you know how um, what you were feeling, whether you're melancholy or nostalgic or excited or self-centered, you name it. I've clearly heard all of those. It rates it, whether it's PG-13 or rated R with my swear words. I'm, I'm definitely usually for a mature audience. Um, so all of those things that let you know um, how many times you paused, that's the one time I'm really able to just focus. Uh, so I can, you know, get my 750 words, which is equivalent to about three pages typed out within, you know, 14 to 15 minutes generally. So today I typed and I did my letter to myself, giving myself permission. Aisha, Aisha also asked, you know, what what's an adjective to describe yourself? Like use your first letter of your first name. And so I thought of three while she was thinking of hers. The the first one that came to me was resilient. Um, I think, you know, life definitely waxes and wanes, and I generally land on my feet. I, I, I fall down for sure, but I generally get back up, and some days, and it takes a little longer, but resiliency is um, something that I am very fortunate to have. I absolutely have an ex, I'm sorry, an internal locus of control, so I'm, I own my own shit, and I realized that while some things may have happened to me that were not my doing and were not my fault and I did not deserve those, I still own my reaction to however, uh, to whatever came my way. And um, I'm very thankful for that. I, I do struggle with people who have more of an external locus of control. And I, I always, when I think of that, I think think of why why can't I Victor Frankel uh, it, I encourage you to do read some of his his writings and I mean he he was a Holocaust survivor and he was able to you know to be in those concentration camps and to still come out of it on top with that resiliency and with that appreciation for life and for struggles even. I mean, of course, I'm sure he wished that that had not happened to him and clearly had not happened that he lost most of his family. But he still learned from that. He could have came out of it jaded and angry and sad and depressed and he came out of it on top and he was able to change lives. And he's still changing lives and he left a legacy and that is so beautiful. So definitely, why can't I think of it? It's night of something. Um, I know I read it in undergrad and I am sad because I must have given it away. I've been, I was looking for the book on my bookshelf the other day and I don't have it. So I wrote, I picked the word resilient, but um, I guess if I had to pick a few more R adjectives, obviously I'm random Random Reagan, that's kind of been a nickname for a lot of times. Rambling. Uh, and rebel. I'm a bit of a, a rebel. My rebel is uh, Rebel Ruby, though. She's my she's my superhero who comes into play when, when I need a... You know, I'm not a Beyonce fan, but i got to give it to her. She's clearly successful and stuff, but she's got her Sasha Fierce, so that's kind of that alter ego. So mine's Rebel Reagan, and she stands like Wonder Woman with her with her hands on her hips and wears red. 
But so those would be mine. And red even. I get called red a lot. So I'm going to read this to you and then I um, would encourage you to write yourself some letters. One other thing that we talked about, she's um, Asia of uh, the girl from Manifesto. She's been doing a lot with Sark. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sark. My friend Tiffany got me onto her years ago, probably about 15 years ago. And uh, I've got many of her books, uh, The Succulent Wild Woman. Oh, goodness. I don't even know what all I have. The Fabulous Friendship Festival. I get a lot of ideas from there for my sister circle. That was one where years ago we had our TGIF, our thank goodness, I'm female group. And I believe they still have it. I'm just kind of gone on my own way and have my own little groups going now. But we did letters to each other, like dear my dear friend Reagan, in you I see and I feel and I admire and these things. And it's it's so amazing to hear the stories. I still have those letters and I reread them from time to time. But um, it's important to write a letter. You know, reach out to that inner child if that's what you need to. Like let that little girl know, like, hey, I'm here for you. I will never let you down, and I will protect you. And you can go play and you can go run in the grass and read books and do the things that little girls should do and I will never let you down you know write those letters to yourself but I'm going to read you my permission letter and while I do that I'll go ahead and um, play my steel tongue drum for you as well and think about what you might say to yourself so this is what we just did. I think we had like seven or eight minutes to write. So um, I apologize if there are typos and, and such in it. One moment here. All right. So I'm going to read this. It's rather personal, but that's okay. I think life's about vulnerability. And I know for myself, I can't move forward and be my best self without being vulnerable and authentic. And I cannot lead you on your journey to do that without sharing bits of myself. Resilient Reagan. You are stronger and more talented than you realize and give yourself credit. You, my dear, are sitting on a gold mine of love, ideas, talent, drive, innovation, resilience, creativity, energy, experience, and knowledge. Not only your knowledge, but that of your family and all of the hardworking, intelligent ancestors who came before you. I give you permission to call them by name, speak to them out loud, share their stories and memories. Ask them for their guidance. Resilient Reagan, you come from long lines of survivors. Grit is in your genes. Resilient Reagan, I give you permission to thrive and I give you permission to fail. I give you permission to fall down and to get back up when you are ready. 
I give you permission to feel all of the feelings from all that has come before today, from you, and from your lineage, and all that that entails. I implore you to use those feelings and add that essence and energy to all that you do. I give you permission to let go of any guilt and shame that you or your ancestors may carry. Those chapters have added to the amazing story of you. You, Resilient Reagan, have, can, and will do amazing things. I'm giving you permission to feel all of the feelings and utilize that intense sensitivity and perception as they are your gifts. You are uniquely gifted, and this has led you to survival. I give you permission to get out of your own way. I give you permission to not settle for mediocre, unless that feels okay because I give you permission to not be perfect, to not be in first place. I give you permission to just be, just be you. You are wonderful and you are amazing as you are. I give you permission to shine brightly, to continue to be your eclectic, eccentric, and unapologetic self. Resilient Reagan, you are not too much. You are exactly what and who you should be. You make me proud. You make your parents proud. You make your boys proud. You make your friends proud. You make your dogs proud. You make your ancestors proud. They are relieved and they are excited that they created you to take on the things that they weren't brave and confident enough to handle. Resilient Reagan, you touch and change lives just by being you. You are an inspiration to all. Each person, animal, and thing that you touch is never, ever quite the same once they have had the pleasure of your encounter. Most importantly, Resilient Reagan, I give you permission to go at your own pace. I give you permission to not take on the weight of the world on your shoulders and to choose wisely what is your cross to bear. 
I give you permission to pause, to find solace in the respite, to recharge and recenter, and to reevaluate. I give you permission to change direction. You navigate this ship. I love you and I give you permission to love yourself and to love your life as you are exactly who and where you should be. Love always, me. So there you go. You're resilient too. I give you permission to be yourself, to shine brightly, to stand tall, to never be small. Now go make it a great day. soul and some journal prompts to reach out to that inner child to write yourself a letter and share it if you'd like or keep it to yourself we'll discuss some toolbox to put in that metaphorical backpack to help you survive today and tomorrow, and even to get through some things from the past. Stay tuned to the end for more of the Steel Tongue Gum. Thank you so much for listening. It means more to me than you realize. And my goal is to always help others. And I feel that most everything that I share, it can change someone's life. It can touch their life in a way. So I appreciate you. And I definitely appreciate when you show your support and the best way that you can do that 
is to share this with your friends and family and share it on your social media and encourage people to tune in. I know that by doing that, this is going to reach the person that it's supposed to. And good things will come to all of us.